Welcome to Coffee House. Social contract theory. Remember this? Undergraduate. This is what Hobbes said. Quote, that a man be willing when others are so too, as far forth as for peace in defense of himself, he shall think it necessary to lay down this right to all things and be contented with so much liberty against other men as he would allow other men against himself. End quote. Of course, Hobbes known for the Leviathan, poor, nasty Brutus in short, the war of all against all, the state of nature is a terrible, horrible thing. So rule in a polity via social contract is a welcome reprieve from all the terrible things. And for Hobbes, the rule of a sovereign is better than that state of nature. So it's kind of dire acceptance for Hobbes. Then there's Locke, quote, The state of nature has a law of nature to govern it, which obliges everyone. And reason, which is that law, teaches all mankind, who will but consult it, that being all equal and independent, no one ought to harm another in his life, health, liberty, or possessions, end quote. So Locke has a more optimistic perspective on the social contract. It's something that people, with their reason, they enter into in order to effectuate peace, liberty, and property. So there's a requirement, a requirement of the social contract. We all have this implied contract in the interactions that we make on a day-to-day basis, and it's shared values. We have to have some kind of shared values, a foundation upon which civilization is built. It started on a religious basis, on pain of eternal torture, that we would have these kinds of communities that would have shared values that we would all ascribe to. And we would all agree that if you went out of bounds on these shared values, then you would be punished in an agreed-upon way. And then Adams, John Adams said, quote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, end quote. So for Adams, it's a particular kind of people who can live in this particular constitutional republic. And those words may have been tragically, extremely accurate, as one of those pillars was knocked out about a decade ago. At least uh, it was rotted and has been crumbling ever since. And then the other one um, has taken some serious blows more recently, as people became inflamed emotionally and were incapable of remembering the things that we shared, the shared social values. So we may have found the person. We may have found them. TDS Patient Zero, Sam Harris. One of the most acute cases that I have ever seen. So, of course, Sam Harris, he is an author. He was a a regular public speaker for a while. Now he's, uh, as far as I know, just a podcaster. (laughs) He's also a neuroscientist, but I don't know how much he's done in that vein for a while. But he was one of the new atheists, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, who I blithely cheered on (laughs) when they were first doing their thing and challenging all the precepts of religion. But that battle, mostly having been generally won, at least, in the culture, in the zeitgeist, there wasn't much left for them to do. So then they had to turn to kind of cultural issues. And since most of them were kind of classical leftists, they have transmogrified into kind of a weird hybrid species. But I met Sam in D.C. I seemed like a perfectly pleasant gentleman. I listened to his podcast up until he tried to defend Trump being banned from Twitter. That was the moment where it seemed like he was dumping principles so that he could attack a particular person in a distinct way. And uh, that really bothered me. (laughs) Because like Trump or hate Trump, if you're a classical liberal, that should be something that you're able to defend. And the reasons for his ouster on Twitter were utterly ridiculous as compared to the kinds of people who were still on Twitter. 
And just the basic standard that was used, you know, none of these standards that were then applied to conservatives around the 2020 election, none of those standards were used throughout, you know, all of 2020 and the riots and all of the things that they could have been applied to, to oust any number of uh, liberal politicians for all sorts of horrible things that they were saying and incitements they were engaging in and insurrection talk and all that and questioning the validity of elections, all that. So there was a clear double standard, and Sam Harris, in that particular instance, it just didn't seem like he was willing to look at it because he had such a personal animus against Donald Trump, even to the an extent that was beyond most of the people that you you would hear railing against him. It was very odd. So anyway, uh, Sam Harris, obviously, he was recently on this podcast. I think it's called Trigonometry or something like that. But it's with that one UK comedian who was on a couple of talk shows. He's a funny guy. But so they were discussing Trump and what happened with Hunter Biden's laptop and all those sorts of things and trying to air that out. And the most shocking thing that he said was that he acknowledged that the things with the Hunter Biden laptop, that they were, yes, suppressed by liberal interests. And they even used the word conspiracy, although he quibbled on the definition of conspiracy because he talked about, well, if it's out in the open, is it really conspiracy? I mean, things that were complete non sequiturs and didn't really matter. But so they were talking about this Hunter Biden laptop. It was suppressed the New York Post story about the Hunter Biden laptop. It was suppressed by Twitter and other social media networks saying that uh, you couldn't share it. Even in personal DMs, you weren't allowed to share it because they said it was, uh, you know, misinformation. Some of them used the hacked materials rationale for it. Some of them said it was misinformation. And there were uh, 50 alleged uh, national security experts or something like that who said that they had reviewed it and it looked like Russian disinformation. And these were cited by a bunch of liberal politicians. So anyway, the point is that Sam Harris said that, yes, it was a liberal conspiracy to try to keep Trump out of office, but Trump is so dangerous, it was so necessary to prevent him from getting into office, that it's totally fine, that it's okay to do that. And the host, the comedian, he pushed back and said that, whoa, that is a really odd thing to be saying. That it's totally fine for a number of institutions to collude to prevent people from knowing information, even if it's true, so they could stop somebody from getting into office. Now that seems like the complete undoing of democracy as opposed to the effectuation of it. And Sam was totally fine with that. He, he was just saying that the threat of Donald Trump was so great that it was perfectly fine to engage in those kinds of tactics. He also went down uh, this idea suggesting that it didn't matter the corruption that Biden engaged in. Uh, he did that thing where they talk about, uh, and I've seen liberals do this, where they say, no, this is Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden doesn't matter. So why are we talking about Hunter Biden? Don't bring up Hunter Biden. Of course, we just talked about the book. <laughs> the book, our last book, was specifically about how Joe Biden is wrapped up in the corruption issues related to Hunter Biden and money that comes from China and them paying for influence. And then suddenly, of course, Joe Biden is in office and now he's doing a tremendous number of things that are beneficial for China. So that is, of course, uh, completely relevant and very important. But notwithstanding all of that discussion, he was saying how it didn't matter how corrupt Joe Biden was. At that point, they could have found a bunch of dead children in Hunter Biden's freezer and it would have made no difference. He could care less. Sam Harris could care less about those things because the point was this existential threat of Donald Trump being in office. But this is another, I never know. They always say that it's so threatening and dangerous to have Donald Trump to have been in office. There were all the people collapsing in emotional heaps when he initially got elected, saying how we're all going to die and it's the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. 
And then nothing happens. Uh, you know, he governs ex- exceptionally well, sends a few unlettered tweets, and makes a couple of weird statements. And now we get on the other side of that. They still get to say, it'll be the end of the world. It'll be the end of everything if he ever gets back into, into power again. And this is one of the things that absolutely blows me away, because there there are some number, uh, you know, some subsection of the population who are just easy to manipulate. They're just really emotional, and there's nothing you can do about it. They're going to respond to extremely superficial and abusive tactics where it just says that if you don't uh, agree with me on this, then you're a horrible person and you need to be terrified and make sure that you're out there saying every day how terrible this person is. So they're going to be manipulated. That's just going to happen. But Sam Harris is one of those people, he spent, you know, decades talking about how rational he was, and yet this guy seems as deeply emotionally manipulated as any person on Earth when it comes to Donald Trump. He can't get around it. There's just some weird childish fit that's going on in his head that he can't get over. He tosses all principles out the window just to get at Trump. And again, when it comes to the singular evil that Trump poses, for some reason, Sam Harris is one of the one of the only ones who constantly brings up Trump University. And he says that the, the fraud that Trump University was is more dangerous than anything that the Bidens could have done or anything that Hunter has ever done. And I, tried, I read a couple of articles about this looking for the most lurid details about Trump University from the most biased sources. And all I could find is that there's some seminars about real estate investing and they tried to milk more money out of them instead of it being a regular university where you go and you show up, you do your your extracurriculars and all that and get credits and get a degree. You just kind of show up and there are seminars about real estate selling and investing and they would try to get them to, you know, spend more money related to it, up their credit card limits and, and weird stuff like that. And Trump didn't actually pick the speakers or the teachers or whatever who were going to be there. As far as corruption goes, it's the most innocuous corruption that I can think of, of just a get-rich-quick, stupid investment scheme that everybody should have seen for the nonsense that it was from a mile away. You know, some of the criticisms that I saw were just about, there wasn't much information in the seminars. Like, what do you think those things are? <laughs> I mean, every one of those things, that's what they give you some light information, a bunch of emotive talk, and they say, hey, buy my next course and go get out there. You can do it. And, and that's it. It's not great. It's a terrible thing to do to milk money out of people who are trying to go get an education. It's a terrible thing. But it was a decade ago, and it was nowhere near the documented corruption of virtually any of the people who are currently in office. I mean, what are you talking about? But anyway, that's the one he gets stuck on. And it's really indicative of all acute TDS sufferers, maybe all TDS sufferers in general. You know, many of the other ones, they offer cloaks around their arguments. They'll try to use rational-sounding arguments to try to say, no, it's it's actually justified to be this outraged about Trump in this context or that context or whatever. You know, they'll say things like, he is uh, disparaging the United States uh, on a global scale and it makes things more dangerous for everybody and da-da-da-da-da. That doesn't have any actual concrete arguments or anything like that. It's just they're trying to rationalize why they feel like he's such a terrible threat. But in this case, it was just, it was so open. It was just like, no, it's just, he's so absolutely terrible because I say so that it doesn't matter what you have to do to keep him out of office. You can do it. You can absolutely have a conspiracy. You can lie to people. You can do whatever you need to do to try to keep this guy out of office. It's like Sam just openly carved out a new moral and political category just to put Trump in it. With no restrictions. You can attack this person with no restrictions and no concern about any kind of ethics or consistency or integrity or anything like that. Just attack him with with abandon. 
And this is the kind of breach of social contract. You know, we lost the religious people. Those, <laughs> we've lost those by and large. Uh, hopefully it's making a resurgence, but, but by and large, we lost the religious people over the course of the last couple of decades. And now we have started the steep decline of losing the moral people. You know, it used to be that claims of hypocrisy, people were very worried about being called a hypocrite. If it was suggested that you were hypocritical about something, then it was shameful and apologize and change your ways and all those sorts of things. Now, not not at all. Are you kidding me? It does not matter. You can call somebody a hypocrite till you're blue in the face and they won't care. And we have this horrible inversion morally of what it comes, what it means to be a moral person. Right now, what it means to be a moral person is thinking about yourself first, doing for yourself first, and leaving it at that. Even if it means you change the entire order of reality, you ask everybody else in the world to change reality just to satisfy your emotional needs, that is considered moral now instead of what historically would be that you do for other people, that the point is to do for other people, that children are the most important repository of the things that you can do for others. That used to be the moral order, and that has gone completely by the wayside and that's the kind of thing it is that's that's where the social contract is breaking down is that no now i need to issue any kind of shared standards so that i can get everything that i can get out of this situation that's where you re-enter the war of all against all you re-enter that hobbesian state of nature so obviously we need to enforce the social contract we need to make sure that we have shared standards in all cases at all times when we're having conversations with these kinds of people and if they're not willing to do that, the only thing that you have left is pure power politics. That's what you've got. You've got to force the issue and make sure that they understand what the contract says and that you can't breach that contract. I mean, it's utterly ludicrous, you know, just when it comes to things that are completely beyond the pale, you know, gender theory or CRT, trying to compare trash real estate seminars a decade ago versus being captured by our existential enemy. When we can't have any kind of a shared reality or any kind of shared standards, then we can't have a social contract. You know, it's meaningless. I mean, hopefully there's like a liquid damages clause or something like that, but I don't know. Uh, it's just that we are in, a, in an exceedingly weird place. And Sam Harris certainly lost a lot of people's respect. He had already lost mine a long time ago. I don't think he can back down now, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he kind of has to double and triple down on being just completely deranged when it comes to Donald Trump and dishonest about it. But hopefully he comes back. Hopefully a lot. But I think it would take a lot of these legacy liberals who have a lot of classical liberal friends and hang around very wealthy people who all think that they have the luxury to think that liberal policies are still the way to go because they don't have to suffer the consequences of them. You know, all those people, it would take them to culturally flip to the conservative side for most of them, especially the intellectuals and academics, for most of them to be able to be honest about this stuff and honest about Donald Trump in particular. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. But anyway, I just want to do this this quick little episode about that. I thought it was uh, very strange and emblematic of TDS as an affliction, as an epidemic. So anyway, I hope all is well, and I will see you on the next one. All right, bye.